1: Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Report. As always, happy to be joined by my co-host Hassan, who is upright this week, finally. Looking good. Not under my
2: own power. Not under my own power. There's like a ton of fellows behind me that are propping me up, but happy to be upright. And I'm excited, super excited, making his uh, debut here on on the repo, is uh, sacrilegious of the stat chasing podcast and you can find a lot of his really really strong work over at adp and um i'm going to give him a shout out over at the ship chasing discord he's very active in there as
3: well just a sharp sharp mind guys how was your sundays uh mine mine was pretty good thank you for uh for having me on blair hassan happy to be on the on the podcast uh had a had an okay sunday was live to uh to ship the morning uh london showdown slate And, uh, I was, I was hanging on to first and like, I don't know, I think I was like duped eight or nine ways. So it wasn't a great, great share, but, uh, unfortunately couldn't hang on Jags captain got knocked off at the end by Bijan. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a good day overall. How about you guys?
1: Yeah. Good day. I think, uh, I know Hassan and I co-own a team that had Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews that was waiting for those guys to finally put up some points. So good day, uh, on that front, for sure.
2: We're looking pretty good over there. We've also got, um, despite the dud from Debo, we've still got Breeze going. Um, optimistically, if we can get a big net out of Debo, we won't need JSN to do anything. Also, uh, mm-hmm. we co-own, we, we have a main event team. We didn't we, we didn't stream this live, unfortunately. We did a slow draft that, Bre- that Blair wrote up. But we, we do co-own a main event team with the, the ship creation crew called the Four Horsemen. Uh, currently, as long as Ken Walker doesn't go absolutely ballistic, and we can keep getting points out of Grant Wilson and Brees Hall, we should be looking good there too.
3: Um, I'm I'm also trying to fade a Ken Walker nuclear game, so uh, our interests are aligned there. And I don't want to talk about how my main event team did this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's just it, this was like a very lopsided, just a bizarre week. It really is. Di- so it really is difficult because. Um, it's, it's difficult to come on here and talk about like how the day went, but in full transparency, I think I went three and ten uh, betting player props today. Like it's just just got completely hosed. Um, particularly, uh, I, I I'll be full, like be pretty, pretty honest and blunt here. Like I am mostly an underbetter, and a lot of these lines tend to be shaded are shaded a little bit really low. So I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> backdoored pretty badly in, 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 in what I hope or thought were, were good spots. Um, I'm also going to lose uh, a matchup where I had like a 45 point lead uh, until until CMC went completely nuclear. <laughs> so so we're so we're we're doing good. But I was I was excited to hear that you were close to shipping. Uh, you know the the morning there with and in, in showdown. Um, I wanted to ask, as part of your process, was Christian Kirk a, a big part here? Because he had 8 of 12 targets for 84 yards. Unfortunately, he didn't score that touchdown. I, was he part of your process this morning? And where are you rest of the season uh, really on Kirk versus um, Ridley? And what are your thoughts on their current BB, uh, uh, the best ball
3: resurrection drafts? Yeah, as far as my showdown process is concerned, it's pretty heavily uh, revolved around Sims and and trying to mitigate dupes and only playing, like, if I am going to play a duplicated lineup, it's going to win at such a high frequency that I'm going to be plus ROI on it. Um, so I really, I try to keep my player takes out of it for the most part, because I, I believe that the Sims are capturing my, any, any knowledge or player takes that I would have, I'm fearful that I'd be double counting. Um, so every once in a while, I'll, I'll make a couple tweaks here and there, but for the most part, it's going to be, I, I trust the computer and I trust the process. Um, As far as the Jags passing game, though, I actually wrote about this a little bit over at Spike Week in my uh, portfolio review postmortem article, and this was post week one. I was trying to get it out before week one um, just so I didn't have anything tainted by any actual results, but it was post week one and Calvin Ridley had gone off in week one and I was underweight Ridley. I got a lot of him in like the late 30s and even 40s during best ball drafts. And so I was, I was happy with my, I think, 5% Ridley across my portfolio, but at good prices. And then week one came and I uh, I immediately was like, eh, I would have loved to have more Ridley, but I wasn't going to chase him up. I thought that the way to play that offense was through the cheaper options, really because my thesis on the offense the entire time was this is going to be an offense where there will be spike weeks from all three receivers. And I don't think it's going to come down to oh there's one guy who's the alpha who's just running away with it i think that of the three receivers ridley is is the best of the three but i really just from watching last season like i mean if marvin jones wasn't so so dusty i think we probably would have seen it play out in a pretty similar way last season but we still saw it with zay jones and evan ingram putting up pretty big weeks alongside christian kirk so that was my thesis on the offense i ended up heavy christian kirk and a little overweight Zay Jones, I think the correct way to play that offense is like neutral to slightly underweight Ridley as he rose, and then overweight Kirk, and then most overweight on Zay Jones, uh, just based on the prices. Um, So going forward, like for resurrection, um, the first few resurrections I did, I I only did a couple on the first day, but Ridley was going in the early second round, like at the one-two turn. And if you're drafting Ridley at the one-two turn, you're a slappy. Um, that's just like yeah, plain and simple. You're that's, you're you're your DOA, like what like what are you anchoring? <laughs> yeah, what's 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 gonna happen that that makes that bet pay off, right? Like you're you're literally it's so thin, you're literally saying that in the playoff weeks, Ridley has a week where he is just the guy that you need, and that's why it's okay to take him in the second, which is like you can say that for a lot of the guys going in the first four rounds. So that is that's never gonna be part of my process where I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna take this guy because he's the guy you need in playoff weeks. Like yeah, I'll pass on that.
1: <laughs>
2: he's also not even. I mean, like he just genuinely looks like a guy who hasn't played football in a year. The, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world, but I mean, so does sort of Christian Kirk, right? Like, and like, aside from that, week one, just bizarro. I don't know what was going on with his usage that game. It just hasn't. It like we haven't
3: seen that play out again, right? So I didn't get to watch the game this morning. My wife was uh, was running a half marathon. So I was, I was trying to be supportive and not be on my phone, sweating my showdown teams. Um, but from some friends who were tilt watching the game and texting me that why is Ridley getting no targets? What's going on? Oh, my gosh. You see the safeties keep shading over to him. He's getting double covered. It's just opening up everything for Kirk. That was what I heard today. and then in the chiefs game, um just going back to that lackluster performance he put up, I think if if you haven't watched that entire game, like all of the snaps, it's there's a universe where Ridley goes for like eight for one twenty and two in that game there there was a pass interference play where it he almost caught like a forty five yard pass on the sideline and he only dropped it because he was heavily interfered with. He almost caught a touchdown in the back of the. They were like, multiple outs to him having a huge game so i think that reality is going to be closer to week one than what we've seen the last couple of weeks but i also don't i don't think week one is like the mean outcome you know
1: yeah what we've kind of seen at least through four weeks is that there aren't many it doesn't seem like this offense can have both of these guys go off in the same week um how I guess does that change your approach in showdowns at all um when you're looking at trying to stack this team
3: in in showdown again I just I trust yeah. that <laughs> the uh, the sims are correctly accounting for all the correlations and everything so I'm I'm really never going to pull those kinds of levers I like I don't set any rules on my lineups or anything like that it's literally just what are the sims spitting out let me put it through my model that predicts the number of duplicates that are going to be here and then filter it down for the ROI that I'm going to be playing so I try to keep it relatively simple but like for best ball Mm -hmm. I would uh I would certainly be happy to stack up this offense um given the correct prices like Ridley I don't I haven't checked the resurrection ADP so I haven't seen uh if he's fallen to an appropriate price but like I would be happy taking fifth like early fifth round Ridley um and I also think like fifth round Kirk, I think Kirk was pretty efficiently priced the whole yeah. offseason. season. He slid a lot at the end of drafts, which is how I ended up so overweight. It's like this isn't correct. He shouldn't be going in the sixties or seventies. Like this is just an overreaction. Um, and I think it was really just the, you know, the inverse of the Ridley steam. People were like, Oh, if Ridley's going so high, he's the alpha and it's not Christian Kirk. Um, but I'd, I'd love to buy the Jags at a discount. Like you can get, you can get trevor lawrence very cheap now uh zay jones the first day of resurrection was going a little earlier than he did for most of the summer which is probably fine like i think that a lot more stuff crystallizes as we get um the limited sample from the first few weeks and so it's like oh zay jones is a receiver that receives snaps and targets in an nfl offense and there were lots of guys previously being drafted around him where it's like Juju Smith Schuster. That is not the case. That's not an NFL receiver receiving snaps or <laughs> targets. Like
2: <laughs> oh man, I forget what Juju, like I forget, I, I don't know what Juju got today, but his his player prop was 28 and a half receiving yards. So I'm I'm just curious to see if he even got above that. Because that was one where I was like looking like like looking at like, mm, I really want to play the play the under for 28 and a half yards. Had 14
1: kinda, yards.
3: Had four, oh,
2: I should have just done five it. targets.
1: So I
3: actually I, it, was, it, was it literally just the one reception? Because like he yeah, got one just, reception where his head got taken off damn near. No,
2: it was like it was just like a like a basic like over-under for like receiving yards for the game, 28 and a half. And I was like, like I've gotten back toward quite a bit the last two weeks. So I'm like, I can see a world where he just gets to like 29 and like <laughs> in like seven seconds to go. And I'm sitting there like just, yeah, like just yeah. another one, just another. Um should <laughs> so I trade Montgomery and Diggs for Amon Raw? And J- Mirer Gibbs, I would not be doing this. Uh, I mean, we can actually talk about Diggs because um, we were going to talk about Buffalo, Miami. Diggs had a like, he had he had three touchdowns today. Um, he clearly is the alpha in that offense. I mean, like he's just so far away and ahead. Like one of the like just like, his his offseason price was very like as you said was very efficient in terms of the best ball, right? nothing has changed to where i want i want him to move for amon ra right like he's basically in the amon ra role with with josh allen like like this isn't a trade that's win that's 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 uh that's really winning for you right like like you're like you're just essentially flip flopping the two and montgomery unfortunately for all for all you know for for what it is it just sucks where we've seen what the usage is he's just going to be he's just going to be cucking Jameer Gibbs like all season. and This is going to suck. It's, it's it sucks. The only like, like the, the path for Jameer Gibbs there at the end of the fourth round was going to be a lot of these, you know, burst plays. They're not even really doing that for him. They're not even really scheming him into space. We have to really figure out what they're going to do with, with Gibbs here. But, but yeah, like I, I like Jacob, I would just, just hold your side, bro. Like it, it looks good, but like, just hold your side. Um,
1: yeah. I think this uh, really is a question about how, how you kind of see the Detroit usage going oh. in the future, like Montgomery getting what almost double the number of snaps that Gibbs got yeah. in this game seems like a, yeah. like something that's not going to continue, but it's hard to say. Sacrilegious. What are your thoughts there?
3: I, I was going to ask you guys, I think a St. Brown is like a real, I've been, I've been taking notes um just like through the end of this drafting season before the season started. And like, just kind of my thoughts on things that the market still does. Because um, for, for a lot of it, the market's pretty efficient in, in baseball as far as pricing players. But there's a few things where it's, like, really off. It does things extremely irrationally in, like, a couple spots. And one of them that I was uh, trying to really figure out how I felt about it was players who overperformed their ADP in the past or players who, who put together a really big performance or were league winners – it just sticks in people's brains. And it's so vivid that like a player, like a Monra, the efficient price for him was probably like this, this people are who like a Ra are going to be pissed at me. It was probably like two, three turn, you know, like, you're, I, mean, you're I correct think, and I like, and I like Amon Monra, but you're right. He was like better than I would take him over DK Metcalf. I'd take him over Devo Samuel. I mean, with the runout that Keenan Allen has got this season, now it looks silly to be taking a Monra over Keenan. Right. But I, I think a, a lot of that was the specific run out for the season, but, uh, but like, because he was such a league winner in the past, and this is like carrying over from multiple seasons ago, right? Like it was his rookie season when he came on down the stretch and exploded. He got this huge ADP boost to even like last year where he's going, I think he was in the fourth round or something last year. Yeah. And I thought that was rich last year. And then he, he proved me wrong last year. He definitely a uh, fourth was, for sure efficient, if not underpriced, but then this season he continues to climb. And it's just that effect of like people remembering from the past season, like, oh my gosh, this guy was such a smash, but it's like, yeah, you have to consider the price that he was at last season. Um, and there were a few guys I felt like that was the case. And so that's something where I, I definitely made a note and I want to look into that and do a little research this year and see if I can find some more specific examples and use that as a way to exploit the markets next season.
2: Yeah, there's um, the the double accounting. Uh, the double accounting effect is real. Also, there's a lot of like, for years I've sort of used like a back of the like like, uh, like heuristics. Yeah, I think that's the right word for it. Like just sort of where like you know guys who say the same shit, right? Robert Woods is such a supreme value at like big whatever the fuck, right? And for three years in a row, he was like a league loser. He was a roster clogger. Just sort of where you were taking him. Like you're you were like passing up on all of these other like you know i think the first year where you were like taking him before it was like people were taking him earlier than cup right and then and then um that was that for like woods unfortunately right and, and everyone was like well that was just a bad run out injuries happen and then he he fell a little bit people are still taking him above like high upside players like a am and shit and then it was just like well, I, you know it's, it's at some point you just gotta let that like like the Twitter people like do their thing, talk themselves into like liking substandard guys into like high ADPs, and then, then we you know, guys like us have to decide where we're gonna be on in our portfolio, right, Blair? Like like you you had to make a decision. I think I think I got I just I think I capitulated on Amon Raw at the end of the season where I was just like, he's not fucking getting cheaper. Like this is it for me. Like I just I, have to I, pay, I, did I as just well. have to pay. Like I I just, to I just have to pay to be
3: yeah, eight percent. Yeah, I ate, yes. I ate my vegetables, got to 8%. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fade the guy all the way, <laughs> yeah. you know? But like,
2: I, he, just didn't, he just didn't get cheaper. Like, he just stuck. It was like, and I was just like, at this point, I just have to do it. Like, I'm just, like, I, I was trying to take Eckler, like, as a, as a, in Hero RB builds. I was trying to take Diggs, and I had to just sort of, like, it just blew me up towards the end where I'm just, like, taking, I'm just trying to jam him on rock. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm at 3%, and like, I got two weeks until the season starts. Like, like, what am I doing here?
1: I mean, he's got two hundred yard games already, and I mean, yeah. his Thursday game was kind of like the worst one he's had so far, and he's still scored. He's just well, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something.
2: Yeah, it's still it's still a bit of a. I mean, it's it sticks in my craw a little bit because like you know that kind of what Sacrilegious just was saying is that like if he wasn't the price never changed. He just, he just mm-hmm. stuck around even though in in an efficient micro uh EMH uh, uh, suggests he should have been sliding backsliding. You know what I mean?
0: or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, dot or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
2: But I did want to get your thoughts on, um, on well, actually, there's a, there's a bunch of guys here on our show sheet who we haven't even had a chance to, ch- to talk about, but let's just let's just start with the guy who in retrospect looked insanely overpriced right Justin Fields looked for the first time today he looked like an actual competent quarterback completed 20 or 34 attempts for 355 yards and four touchdowns and they and they lost the Broncos he also had four rushes for only 25 yards I mean basically this was a career day for him right like he carved up whatever the Denver Broncos called the secondary and he had like a lot of long gains like Cole Komet dropped about what close to 30 uh, PPR points in 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 FFPC. EJ Moore came to life on all my benches so that was great um you know so i just wanted to get your thoughts here on 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 Justin Fields just as a as a player himself like you know like is this what is your baseline expectation for Fields going forward should we expect like a reversion a mean reversion or like where are we going with
3: this Blair you want this one or you, you want me to to take oh, first you, swing you can at it take it, it. yeah okay. go for it <laughs> um i so i i definitely can't say oh i saw this coming for justin fields but i did my My portfolio kind of reflects that i saw this in the range of outcomes as as more likely than i think the market did so i was underweight fields in just traditional you know best ball tournament format but i was substantially overweight in weekly winners and i did it that way because i really felt like in a single week he can break the slate in such an absurd way like Justin Fields can get to 50 points and just smash, you know, and actually separate from quarterback in a way that lots of the other quarterbacks, even the elite ones don't separate, you know, like the best Pat Mahomes game is not going to be 50 points, you know, um, with four point passing touchdown. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe, but like not in the way that Fields can actually hit like a 50 point game twice a season, you know, if he's actually running. Um, But I didn't think he would be actually good and like string it together for a long time and so I'm I'm currently feeling very smart about the way that I played it (laughs) but who knows if I'll actually win any money with that um but yeah I uh I certainly I honestly expected he'd be better than this um but who knows he did the same thing last season where he sucked for half the season and then he just started running a lot more and that's what it took for fantasy so I mean, it, it might just end up being Groundhog Day, and we get the same kind of run out from Fields again. I I would certainly like to see that.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. I think. I mean, well, it's definitely worth worth noting how kind of pathetic the Broncos' defense has looked this season and even last season. Um, uh so I think at least from a when you're looking at this game, it's it's you can explain how Fields could get to these numbers but yeah like like you said, he does definitely have this kind of upside, so, um, yeah, I don't know, hopefully we'll see more of this, but i'm I'm kind of thinking it's a little bit of an anomaly just because of the defense, at least the passing numbers so
3: so you would not be let's say in a resurrection draft, he's going. I haven't looked at the recent a d p but let's say he's going like round seven seven eight turn are you are you interested in buying at that price?
2: I am,
1: yeah. He's still got legs.
2: I don't know if I'm be. I don't think I'd be in on that price. I think I think one of the interesting things I'm curious of what happens at the end of this season, actually, is given the elevated QB pricing and the fact that you just had to swallow it, I'm very curious as to if the theory of the QB window continues to hold, right? Because so far, QBs who are sitting in the window are doing really, really well. Whereas, whereas... If you were drafting them fairly early, like especially in like the fourth fifth rounds, those are the guys who you're who are really going to be i mean that's like that's how your team sinks right like you're 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 substituting high upside skill guys for a hypothetical you know top five every week q b who is not getting you that, and then on the way back, you're also it also that at the elevated pricing also means there's a bunch of other quarterbacks who are going really early now. And so it just sort of has pushed a lot of these questionable quarterbacks into into like a higher thing. So I'm I'm definitely very interested in seeing what comes of this. I mean, seismic. It's 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 it almost seems hyperbolic to call it seismic, but as someone I mean like someone who's been playing since 2016, it definitely felt seismic in that in that I don't think we've been we so, we saw this type of elevated QB ADP in a very very long time. Um, uh, but I wanted to I wanted to flip over because you mentioned you know explosiveness in players. Uh, there were a couple of explosive players over on the Broncos' side. Uh, notably, this has been your guy, man, like Julian McLaughlin. He had seven rushes for 72 yards. He also had three catches for 32 yards and a score. He took over the backfield after Javante Williams left with a hip injury, right? Um, so we don't know the extent of Javante Williams' injuries here, But but Blair, like, is Jaleel like a 100% rosterable guy? And, and uh, you know, and to that end, sacrilegious. Like, where would you be taking him in resurrection if you knew Javante was out for, let's say, eight weeks?
1: Yeah. I mean, McLaughlin is a guy who, <laughs> who I was actually drafting at the, you know, in the offseason, but that's more because I'm just kind of a sucker for these small school, small, fast guys who probably won't do anything but uh i'm i'm chasing the philip Lindsay profile every year and i think we got it this year it's mclaughlin i think so i uh
3: i thought mclaughlin was interesting i i too have been uh, a sucker for that archetype in the past i definitely had uh you know had some philip Lindsay bags in the past had uh this this year i uh i would have been more interested in keaton mitchell if i didn't think that justice hill was was going to be the truth i'm really getting worried that might not happen after seeing melvin gordon get so many snaps that's yeah. a pretty bearish sign um but i i definitely think that uh, jaleel mclaughlin's interesting if if it's not if if javante is not out though through the fantasy playoffs i'm really not terribly interested in taking him uh with any significant draft capital because i don't the way that I play, I don't really want to be buying a guy purely for like, and this will help me advance. Like, you know who else could help you advance? Like Puka Nakua helped you advance this summer if you were taking him in the 18th round. And it's like, just why, why don't you just get the guy that's a stone cold league winner? And, you know, don't, <laughs> don't draft the guy that's like, well, he'll help me advance. Like, why don't you just take swings on guys with upside and they'll help you advance and then win you the whole thing, you know? <laughs> Devin so, Shane. Oh, HN. Sorry. Oh man, my Maya Chan bags are so full, and it was glorious last week. I, I was having a grand old time. <laughs>
2: and
1: this week. And, and this even, week. Even
2: yeah. This week. We've been we've been really restraining ourselves here. <laughs> um the, uh yeah, Cobra Kai asked, asked a fun question. We were gonna run back. I was gonna I was thinking Nico Collins. Uh, he said rest <laughs> of the season right now, Nico Collins with Jamar Chase, fantasy points, rest of the season. Well, one. That's uh, that sucks because I didn't run back my Nico Collins overs from last week so I'm out that money. Two uh, my Jamar Chase bags at two are very very full, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm in pain. And and uh, man, it gets, the Bengals are lost. So I think I think realistically is that even cuz I'd probably take the Jamar Chase side if you're offering even odds there, but like I mean, it's it's tough cuz at least we, so like here's, so here's how I think about that question. Is Jamar Chase no longer unfortunately has D Higgins? Right, whereas because uh, because he's got a fractured rib, so he's expected to be out for a little bit. Whereas Tank Dell is still coming on, and C.J. Stroud looks to be like there are the Q.B. one in this class. Um, in fact, if anything, he should be going the earliest of any of the rookie Q.B.s in in resurrection. I would think, um, despite despite Anthony Richardson's rushing prowess, like C.J. Stroud has just he broke Andrew Luck's record, which has to count for something, right? Like in terms of pass like uh, p- passing yards. Um, and Nico Collins has to still contend with, with Tank Dell, who seems to be coming on pretty nicely. But uh, bef- before we move off of Denver Broncos, just one, more, just one more take. Marvin Mims ran only 10 routes today. That was fewer than five Broncos players. But he leads Denver with 242 receiving yards, right? <laughs> the next day on the list is Cortland Sutton with 216, right? And just to put that in context, Mims has run 36 routes in the season. Sutton has run 129. Right, like, like, what would it take for Sean Payton to really just actually put this guy on the field ahead of this bizarre world, like, uh, sh- like fight for your job type thing? Where we're seeing, you know, little Jordan Humphrey on the field, Chris Manners on the field,
3: Nate Adkins on—I don't even know who Nate Adkins is, but he's on the field, right? What what would it take to get Mims on the field? It would take Lil Jordan Humphrey and Nate Adkins and Brandon Powell and whoever else to literally kick Sean Payton's dog to get Mims on the field. I'm <laughs> I'm so frustrated with the Broncos also. I don't know if you guys saw this play in the Broncos game, but there was a uh, Russ like bought some time in the pocket. They, it's like a need to have it kind of play judy's running downfield and he's beat his man and the safety is is coming over to help and he is taking the incorrect angle like judy this is the kind of ball that russ will throw for a touchdown like you just keep running buddy and he pulls up on the route because he is afraid of running into the safety it's like dog just run run into the safety it's a 60 yard play because they are throwing the flag for pass interference and that play tilted me enough because I had Judy in my on my main event team. That's the last share of Jerry Judy I ever draft for the rest of his career. Hand to God. I promise I will have no more Judy. Because you know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of late in his time with the Raiders, Amari Cooper. Like just giving up on routes, like oh yeah, could be could be less interested in, in actually playing the game. He was like Oh, I don't think I want to take this hit like do we do we have to hit each other in this football thing? like i I'd prefer not to. and i I have no patience for that i'm I'm totally out on Judy. That's a super emotional overreaction, but everyone else can have all the Judy man. I'm good off it
2: no, it was it was definitely a tough it, it's really weird because when you look at like the Broncos on paper, this they should be a lot better than how they've been playing this team
1: doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Well, the problem right. is that all their guys who are playing well are not actually getting in the game. Are not on the field. So <laughs> well, I have really no hope that McLaughlin is actually going to get a lot of run because he's playing too well. Yeah, I mean, but that's
2: that's that's, that's where Sean Payton this this Sean Payton genius idea is <laughs> right. Like he, this is like a magician. Like, ooh, you you thought we have had all these crappy players in the field? Now look, what's your defense going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. Um, Speaking That's... of speaking of crappy crappy players, uh, Jahan Dotson got four of nine targets for twenty-seven yards and a score in the Commanders' Week Four loss to the Eagles. This guy just keeps getting targets and there's no production. I mean, just to give you guys a, a heads up or a little bit of an insider view, uh, Pete over that messaged the, the the main event group chat and said, "Do we bench Dotson for Rasheed Rice?" Right. So this is this is kind of where we're at, guys. Um, so I wanted to get your guys' take, sacrilegious. Dotson, did people get too over enthusiastic with him because he's like i mean handily been out produced by by mclaurin and is just not doing enough since week one and and blair as uh as someone who lives in the area and has boosted the ground knowledge on this like is he just one of those full second year breakouts
3: that we were chasing i uh i thought he'd be a lot better honestly (laughs) like his (laughs) his uh his metrics from last season i know this this got talked to death but it was like Early in the offseason, him and Pickens were go, like Pickens was going a little before him and he was going after Pickens. And everyone was like, oh, all their their metrics are identical. You cover up the names. They're the same player. And you guys are paying so much for Pickens. And then Dotson came up and then Deontay came up and the the prices tried to correct for that. And uh, it turns out that uh, I, I don't know. There there's something there that uh, the metrics weren't fully capturing because Dotson doesn't doesn't seem great, but I'll defer to you blair what do you think is he is Dotson just toast
1: yeah he definitely hasn't looked as good as I expected I was one of the, one of the guys for sure beating the drum for him and for Pickens but uh I mean you know he did catch this touchdown at the very end of the fourth quarter to tie it and send it into overtime uh that's a confidence boost that's gonna look good the coaches are gonna remember that this is my my non-analytic way of trying to justify drafting him?
2: Um, I just think that we chased him up too high, right? Like, like one of the things that I will say is, and one of the more disappointing things I think about this NFL season so far has been incredibly wonky reporting, right? Like, like when you, like when you start to think about like, just go back to this week, right? Um, You know, we heard Jameis was going to start, then it was Derek Carr, right? We thought Watson was going to play all day, then it was, like, DTR, right? Like, uh, it was reported that Rashawn Johnson was going to have a bigger role. That didn't work out, right? I I, I think Jared Daigle, like, had, like, a poll earlier today where it was, like, um, worse report, Rashawn Johnson to be the featured back, Joe Barrow fully healthy, more run from Marvin Mims, Derek Carr fully good to go, right? And, And, like, and that's just from today. Right? Like this doesn't even account for all the stuff that we saw. Like, and I know the off-season is all about hype to hype, like hype stuff, but like realistically, like the, the reporting has really led us so awry that like it's actually difficult. Like, I don't know what is real anymore, if that makes sense to you guys. I mean, oh wait, here's one. Zeke Zeke Elliott to be the featured RB today, uh, with Ramondre, with Ramondre taking the backseat, right? Like, and that was and that was from Rappaport, right? And so, so like, so like what are we so? like how heavy of a discount should we be giving to some of these news reports before buying in? Because like part of the thesis behind Dawson was Terry McLaurin to miss four to six weeks. Right. If you guys remember that, right. Like, mm-hmm. and then like a week before the season starts, Terry McLaurin practicing in full. Right. And like that changes the, like, but by, by then the ADP has set and like, it's on us as players to just go, we got to go full bore on Terry. He's like, this is the cheaper way to play the offense. And it's probably the alpha. Right. But like, I was curious what your guys' thoughts were there, like, or at least how, how you'd play it in the future in case of similar situations.
3: I, I think a little bit of this ties into what I was talking about earlier of the market, like, anchoring to, to mm-hmm. previous information or previous takes or what have you, and it's not quick enough to adjust or, or do things efficiently. It bakes in priors, too. And it's not even that it's baking in priors. It's, like, it's just baking in the past cost a lot on on certain players' um and to to talk about the information that we've been getting like just this week all those faulty reports uh for lack of a better word uh, do you do you just like can you only trust your own research now can you only trust stuff that you yourself have validated and the other thing the way that i want to think about it is all of this information like every everyone who's plugged into fantasy got all of that same bad information this week and so how much how much valuable information is out there that that you would miss if you if you decided like I don't trust any of these people as far as I can throw them I'm gonna you know I'll validate the stuff I can validate and for anything that I don't know with 100 percent certainty like that I, I feel confident about it then I'm just going to ignore it and I'll let the market play into it. And sometimes I'm going to get burned because it's going to be an accurate report. But I mean, it, it does seem like this year, there's a lot of this bad reporting going on. So maybe I just let the market play into it and I'll, I'll go the other way.
2: Yeah. Cause the one thing I was like, I thought about, or is I thought was was uh, to some friends was, do we just go hit the hit? Like, if Derek R is playing, do we just carpet bomb, all of the unders on the Raiders players. Right. I mean, it's not, not even like six weeks, like six days ago, where we're talking about this man having a grade two AC joint sprain where he couldn't lift his arm, like his arm above his like shoulder. Right. And then today we get a report saying he showed up feeling fully fine and he's able to play. And and here's how it played out. Right. So Alvin Kamara returned today. He rushed 11 times for 51 yards in the in, the, in their loss to the Buccaneers, but he had 13 catches for 33 <laughs> additional yards. Like, like this is the most disgusting, like BPR merchant line of all, right? And and like when he was like when he was interviewed after the 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 their the loss, you know, like there was a lot of discussion from Kamara saying we're gonna have to hard, have a hard look at ourselves for the offense. Well, honestly, the answer is probably just put in Jameis, man.
3: Yeah, this was right? shades uh, of uh, shades of Najee Harris with Ben Roethlisberger, right? Just, just like right, yeah. All the checkdowns you can handle, and then some.
1: Yeah yeah I don't really have anything to add i mean uh I don't know it it does make it um tricky to play from a fantasy perspective, although I don't have a ton of exposure to the saints anyway so outside of I have a lave right yeah which is a bummer because he's not getting any you know this is really, yeah, I mean, really not helping him
2: the the interesting thing at least to me here was um Kenry Miller is. St- Kendry Miller is still not getting on the field. Like, like I think there's an issue. Like, at least the thing that frightens me here is like, uh, Camara turned in a full-blown bell car role. I've got like no Camara, man. Like, like this is like that actually legitimately scares me because I like my my Kendrick bags are very full. Because I just didn't think Camara looked like the same guy he did last year. Um like he, he just isn't the same guy. Like he hasn't been the same guy for a few years now. And they've actually, they actually drafted Miller fairly high, like in the same range as Camara. So I want to get your thoughts. sacrilegious. you were also a guy who I know was reasonably bullish on Camara. So I wanted to, I mean, on, 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 Miller. So I wanted to get your take. Like, are we just optimistically hoping for a big blow up Kendrick Miller game at some point where he can force himself on the field like it can
3: Yeah. I, uh, as a man who has, roughly a used Toyota Corolla worth of Kendra Miller on his team. Oh, yeah. um, I I think the path right now to that not being really, really bad is like you said, you're going to need an explosive play or explosive game from him. And the reason I'm not, I, I feel like I should be more pessimistic on Kendra right now, but the reason I'm not more pessimistic is that I watched Alvin Kamara play football last year. And I watched David Johnson get snaps over him, you know, like, and it's just like I said earlier, like, Oh, Melvin Gordon was taking significant snaps over justice Hill. Like I'm probably dead. The the justice Hill <laughs> play is probably toast. Well, if David Johnson is getting on the field and Mark Ingram, literally Mark Ingram came back to the saints and played over Alvin Kamara, like in a workhorse role last season for some games. So like, I'm pretty sure Alvin Kamara is not, the same guy. I think he's probably dusty. He still was good in the passing game last year and we haven't seen enough yet this year to know if that's gone. I mean, I I'm willing to throw out the tape on this game like it was just an anomaly of Derek Carr not being able to, you know, throw the ball downfield at all. Um but yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that you get just enough Kendra and he, he randomly breaks one and does enough where the coaching staff is like, we should we should take a longer look at this guy. Um that's that's kind of what I think the path is.
2: They're yeah. they're not going anywhere, man. I mean, like like the Buccaneers under Mayfield look a little they look kind of revitalized. I don't know. I, what are
1: your thoughts? No, I'm I mean they've been a, a surprise to me this year, and especially in this game against what you know looks like a pretty good saints defense but uh yeah i i can't fully wrap my head around the buccaneers playing like this with mayfield he's lost me too much money in the past
3: (laughs) i'm so excited for baker man i'm i'm so happy and and just with the browns having i mean deshaun watson hasn't looked good all season and then he misses this game it was just a uh Baker Mayfield gets to make the Browns suck his dick from the back after today. It was <laughs> yeah. fantastic. I I was pumping my fist for Baker man, and that's unrelated to the amount of Baker shares that I have in Best Ball. So,
2: I I mean so. I'm excited for him. He was he was not an easy click, right? Like at the end, but I mean, given Evans and Godwin's price, like you you could easily have stacked Evans and/or God. Like you could have gone Evans and/or Godwin, Gay Doughton. Baker Mayfield, no problem. Call it a day, mm. like on 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 DK, like that's your that's your nineteenth twentieth round pick, and you could just just no thinking, no thinking. I mean, I mean, Mayfield's played really well, but like he looks closer to his rookie year than he's ever looked in the entire NFL. Like it's 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 wild to me. Um, it was
1: an easy stack to get, but there was a reason for that, of course. because Yeah, you did it. It didn't feel good.
2: Yeah, but the, but like the, <laughs> the entire market didn't feel it was looking good, right? Like it's it's oh my God, I got a bunch of Monty and a shane on good teams my high my h n highest scoring team on underdog It's five eighty four nice um actually speaking of h n um so I don't know if you watched this game at all, but the guy the guy who I highlighted here is Raxton Barrios who caught six of six targets for forty three yards and a score, and he also had an eleven yard rush right these are all season highs for him, and this is Barrios's first touchdown as a dolphin um. I mean, part of the reason his research is like this was because River Crocraff wasn't there. But Zach so I want to get your take on this. Is there a reason why he should be leaving? Leading this re- like receiver core in targets, like no. like what like what is going on here, <laughs> right? Like,
3: I I didn't watch. I I only caught this game uh, when it came on on Red Zone, so I didn't I didn't get to take a super close look at it. I would guess that it was a, a pretty uh, you know big part of the Bills' plan on defense to. Remove Tyreek from the game plan. Remove Waddle from the game plan. Everyone else is allowed to beat us, and and that's why Chan did Chan did pop off again a little bit, uh, but it, it was enough to take away those two key pieces of the receiving game. And I I feel like that's kind of the the playbook for a lot of teams with explosive passing games. It's we're just we're just not gonna let you do the explosive passing thing. You can do everything else to us, and if you beat us on the ground, you beat us on the ground. Like we should we should score enough points to beat you um, if we're only letting you get there on the ground. But uh, yeah, the Bills the Bills definitely showed up in a in a pretty big way. I would I would call this more of an anomaly than anything for the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are such a strong offense, and I I'm actually curious uh, to hear. Both of your thoughts on Waddle—is he just having like a little bit of a slow comeback from the injuries? What's what's going on there?
2: Uh, yeah. He wasn't. You know, you can go, go first there. No, nah, I, I have a different. I, my take might be a little off from yours. So I wanted to build off of it.
1: I mean, I just think that. Well, that's kind of my guess that he's maybe not a hundred percent yet. And I think what you said about the Bills wanting to really take Hill and Waddle out of this game makes a lot of sense, and it really does explain. Uh, what we saw from Barrios. Um, so yeah, I'm not too worried about Hill yet. I'm not panicking on Hill yet. Uh, but I could be wrong. <laughs>
2: well, Waddle does feel like he was overdrafted all off, off season. You know what I mean? Like I'm not too worried. Like I knew I had to eat that price, and I'm a Waddle slappy. Unfortunately, so it doesn't really like it. It's really done a number on my 100 dog portfolio. It sucks because I mean, like I'm a slappy. He doesn't seem to get. Like his, for for reference, like every game he's been active, his Vegas line has been four and a half catches, right? He's gone under that number each time by the hook, right? So like he's gone for four, four catches each time. So it's Mm -hmm. just been, it's been really frustrating as someone who genuinely believes in model as a talent. And we've seen him have these massive spike weeks and he's yet to have one, but like, it's frustrating that a team was able, was able to take both of them away, right? Like it's frustrating that they're able to take both of them away, and then, and then it's good that HN was there on the ground, right? Like, this is a bonkers stat line: eight carries, 101 yards, and two scores. Like that, like that is like absolutely nuts. Um, and then he also added, like you know, he also had five targets. He caught three of those in 19 yards, right? So it it like I'm almost worried that Waddle's going to experience a bit of a more of a target squeeze relative to Tyreek Hill and I'm optimistic that if anyone if anyone can figure out how to get this going or at least changing the looks up a little bit it's going to be it's McDaniels you know what I mean like like getting getting Waddle more uh, in motion so I think in retrospect I think just me happily clicking him in the mid-second round I think just going back if I could go back a few weeks and just tell my you know my past self hey this is going to be a horrible mistake. Like his effect, like his efficient price is probably at the three four turn. Like ease up a little bit. No need to no need to go twenty five percent here. Um, Might have gone a long way. You know what I mean?
3: I uh I, I also have an absolute truckload of Waddle. I got a lot of him on DK because he would go to yeah. like the in he'd go to like the two three turn. I even I have some third round Waddle, and so I I think I have twenty seven percent on DK, which underdog I only had like. I think 17 or, or 18 or something like that only. Um, but yeah, I just, I was super high on the Dolphins offense and I pretty much always wanted to have the two a stack open. So if I didn't get Tyreek, I really wanted Waddle. Um, I, I'm not ready to to call it like, oh, this is was a terrible mistake and that might just be bag defending. But I do think that with an offense like this where they deliver such explosive plays, I think that you, you still got... Let's just say hypothetically that you get, you know, six games where Waddle looks like, oh, that was why we drafted in the second round. Yeah. You know, like double digit targets, like a touchdown, a hundred yards. Like, isn't that enough to pay off that second round price? Like you just you you don't need a ton of games. Like six. Six is probably like where you're break even. You're not he's not helping you, but he's not hurting you anymore. And like anything more than that is gravy. Um, because like really a lot of these, I mean like. Shoot, like T. Higgins was going in the same range, I, I guess a little later, but on on DK. I'd rather, course. yeah, I would rather had like Waddle at that point, right? I've, yeah, I've like, always been Waddle over over Higgins though. But I I did a lot of uh, that. My Amon Ra take, I I was like Amon Ra, uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, Devonte Adams, Waddle. Yeah. That was all like I viewed them as pretty interchangeable, and so I would yeah. pull Waddle up a lot of the time um, when I when I needed to open the a stack and I didn't have it open. So that's how I ended up with so much, but I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm going to leave the light on for Waddle still. He's shown such great talent in his short career already where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to bury this guy just yet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, bury, I'm not trying not to bury him. I'm just really frustrated by what should have been a bigger, what should have been bigger scoring output. But, you know, at the same time, like we know it's coming and we know the the, the Finns have a really good, really friendly fantasy playoff schedule like 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 one of the most fun starts you could do on on dk was Tyreek in the first waddle in the second lamar in the third mark andrews in the fourth (laughs) right like that's or was it mark andrews in the third lamar in the fourth yeah sorry that's the way sorry that's the that's the right way i got exactly one of those teams and i'm just praying this can somehow advance and make it because like that's just like i mean that's kind of was the thesis behind this right yeah you'd love to love to sneak that one into the the finals yeah, somehow, right? But like, because both of them have like solid. I think that that also contributed a little bit to Waddle's price, right? Is like, or at least what what was being baked into the market was this fun, this fun fantasy friendly like playoff. Like, if you get into the pods and you and you don't have the fins and they're gonna go nuclear in the playoffs, you're drawing dead in those pods. I, I I cannot tell you guys how much I hate the pod structure, and I can go on like on a rant for this because like it cost me a chance at like my first ever millimaker like a couple of years ago with with like back when back when people were convinced Tyrod was going to start the whole season and Justin Herbert was going to ride the pine I had a couple of those teams make it like week 15 16 week 15 and and then drop out before I could make it then and, and if it was an, if I was in a different pod I would have advanced if it wasn't for like my pod but anyway <laughs> um,
1: oh
3: I I've got a hot pod's take here if, if oh yeah this is, no I'd love to hear it I think the pods are so good and so bad at the same time they're good yeah. because of the quality of sweat you get from the structure of the pods yeah. right and they're bad because of the unnecessary variance they inject into one of the highest variance yeah. forms of gambling that we do it's like yeah. why do i want more variants like i do <laughs> want i want all the games that i play that are games of skill to have variance to keep the bad yeah. players around right like i need i need the donkeys <laughs> to win a lot like i want them to win often i just want there to be enough variance for that to happen but like there's some point where it's enough. And so I had, had this hot take for how they can fix the pod structure. And I asked Underdog a couple times to do this. I'm just going to keep putting it out in the universe until someone does it. But please just make me a tournament called the Cerberus. When I get a team to the playoffs, you make three copies of it. So every team that makes it to the playoffs gets copied three times, runs it through all the pods, and then you get to the finals. So you could, if you run pure, you might end up with, three copies of the same exact team in the finals most likely not you know you, you might get one you probably get zero but uh that way you you even out the pod like a little bit right you you get to sample three different pods so that's uh that's my hot take for how we fix the pods but still get to keep them around
1: yeah i like, I really like that big. idea i even really
2: like the name the Cerberus is sexy yeah. i know right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i just i just shared my my You're my thought like my man, my my uh my pod structure sad sad sack story like in the <laughs> in the chat where i just i needed one catch just from deontay and he had a case that drops that night and i failed to advance like one one just one one ppr point when it put me in above and i was talking to some friends who were in other pods and they were like yeah i had 186 the like guy advanced at 189 i'm like i had 215 points man like 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 like, like what, what else can i do Anyway, but um, but uh, but you know, talking about the fact that back when Justin Herbert was a rookie, let's talk about another Chargers rookie, in Quinton Johnson, who caught one of his three targets for 18 yards in the Chargers' Week Four win over the Raiders. You know, Johnson again, going back to some of the <laughs> the hype stories, he was gaining hype all this week from head coach Brandon Staley as a player to step up in the wake of Mike Williams' torn ACL. It didn't come to fruition, right? The, and he had a pretty disappointing outing, falling short of the coach week um, and in fact, what was the most surprising was Joshua Palmer led the way with seven targets. So I wanted to get both your guys' take. Like, do you think this is going to be like taking the bye week? I think they're on bye week five. Uh, I was curious if they're going to be taking this bye week as a chance to figure out how to integrate QJ more in. I mean, this was like a peak Chargers game. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the whole the whole cluster here, but especially QJ's outlook rest of the season. Blair, I'll let you go ahead and take this on
3: first. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm un, unsure what to do exactly with Johnson because, like, it's one thing when he's not getting on the field, but he also hasn't looked that good. And today I think he had, what, 30-something 30, 30 snaps? I can't remember. But, um, you know, to to not be able to produce with that is is troubling. I guess my question is how long can you wait before you – give up on a on even a rookie you you had high hopes for yeah I uh
3: I was not super high on QJ all through the offseason I'm I'm not a tape grinder but like I watch I watch a little bit just to like try and educate myself and have more than I I don't want to just be in the spreadsheets you know Uh, I think that you got to take all all the different flavors of the data that you can get and uh, and try to form a a well-researched opinion. And so my, my initial take this off season on QJ was he doesn't look very good. He looks like Nikhil Harry crossed with like diet Brandon Ayuk and (laughs) he body catches everything. And the only times he's like putting up good plays, he's doing it by just besting inferior competition. Like the dude's breaking tackles from guys that are selling used cars right now, you know? And so I wasn't, super high on him. And I thought that a lot of the hype that he was getting in the whole NFL scouting process was vividness bias from the scouts who got to watch TCU make a, you know, a run to the national championship. And it's, oh, here's, and also he's the only big guy in the class. I just, I felt like there were a lot of factors where it's like, we're, Putting this guy on a pedestal because there's just a vacuum. There's a vacuum wanting a player like this, and no one actually fit the bill to to get this hyped over a player in the class. And so we just inserted QJ, and we we're like, QJ's the guy. So I didn't draft a ton of QJ until Pat Corain told me uh, something that I, I thought it was a really good way to think about it. And he basically said, all the red flags you're identifying about QJ, you're not wrong. Like, these are red flags in the profile. Like, you're very correct. But the red flags don't mean that he's a bust, guaranteed. Like, number one, you don't know Ball. You don't actually know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) Um, He could be bad. He could be good. But you don't know. It's like, yeah, you're very right. I don't know. Um, But what he does have is a really wide range of outcomes with all these red flags, right? And aren't we interested in wide ranges of outcomes, especially in, in best ball? Like, uh, yeah. So sign me up. So he was another player. I ate my vegetables on, I got to my 8% and I was like, okay, I'm full mom. Can I be excused please? And uh, so I didn't take any more. I think Hassan, what you said about, you know, is, is the bye week a chance for them to integrate him more into the offense? That makes a ton of sense to me. I think that like a team that spends that kind of draft capital on a guy should be really trying to, get him involved and I thought the way that they used him in the preseason I I read into that signal as they want this guy to be ready to go right away like the reason he's getting so much work in the preseason is we're trying to get all the rust out now trying to get him in in game shape get some usable film too that we can review with him in the preseason and give him the stuff that we need him to work on and get better at and then be good to go when the season starts and that was what I had kind of told myself um so I'm I'm not ready to bury him just yet. I don't think Josh Palmer's very good. Uh, Herbert's broken fingers a little concerning yeah. though. I mean, it's non-throwing hand, but I don't know. It's not good. You know, like I don't, I don't prefer for my quarterbacks to have a broken <laughs> finger regardless of what hand it's on. So I don't know. I'm not terribly excited for QJ going forward, but I'm also not ready to bury him and say that this guy's never going to do it. Uh, so that's, that's my two cents on QJ.
2: I mean the the issue the only big fear for me right now is Eckler's gonna return, right? Post like post bye week. And that's that is he's a target vacuum. Like the whole reason Keenan's having this massive run out right now is because Eckler's not there, right? Like who's running who's running the low, the low the low eight out routes? Keenan Allen, right? Like today, today he didn't have to do it. I mean, the seven targets for Palmer were ridiculous. I mean like like Palmer has some pretty big drops too. I mean like there's a reason why they're leaning into him right now. But like Eckler's return changes the the actual chemistry of this team by quite a bit. And if it's flash plays we want, I think UJ is fine. It just depends on the like I think in resurrection drafts you're gonna have to be very price sensitive, right? Um like it, cause he's still a black box guy right now who's gonna he's coming into a ton of he's coming into a ton of uh, opportunity, right? Um and hypothetical opportunity and like it just Blair where would you where would you consider taking QJ and I just I just I like I'll I'll be pretty blunt with you guys I enjoy resurrection and I just I brick it like I've just bricked it like it's just (laughs) it's just a format that I just doesn't make sense like I just I'll draft a couple of teams here and there just for fun but like it's just a, a format that I just I'm not I'm not breaking 10th place like it's just I'm just gonna brick it
1: yeah I mean where you know the ranking you would have him in resurrection drafts was going to be my next question because I think like toward the end of the off season, his price had started to come down where you could get him in the 10th or even the 11th someplace. And I think based on how he's played, even when he's gotten the opportunity got on the field, he hasn't looked good. He hasn't gotten more than 18 yards. I mean, you're talking about splash plays, but we haven't seen that really. So you've got to drop him from there quite a bit i mean i don't know 15th round maybe i'm too pessimistic
3: the uh the other thing about resurrection is now that we have more information those later rounds like once you get past like the 13th or or maybe the 14th it's just all dust it's so bad so Mm, like he probably it's just a total void like there (laughs) there's there's a couple pockets where at the the first day i felt like yeah, that's a void. Like, there's a bunch of guys that will be leaving this ADP band because they will be moving up. And there's a bunch of guys that will be leaving the other way because they will be moving down. And so you end up with, like, just the initial, like, market setting of that tournament. You end up with a couple. You can, you, like, if you if you do a lot of basketball drafting, you can tell, like, that this is a void. This is a vacuum. And guys that, like, don't really belong in the place above or below, like, get here and that's a really interesting place to attack inefficiencies um I I haven't looked at the recent ADP so I don't have a good example of a guy that that made it into the vacuum but I really felt like round eight nine looked like a pretty big vacuum um just because a lot of like a lot of the earlier tight ends I felt like should fall and and the market was doing that and a lot of the uh the wide receivers that we weren't sure on like after the wide receiver window closed that we we were a little you know tentative on like nico collins some some of those guys jacoby myers like all of a sudden we're going to start screaming up and so you end up with that like eighth ninth range where you get the guys who just because of the recent results like i I don't really even think jacoby myers should probably be like an eighth ninth round pick maybe maybe like he probably was going like a little too late but like not shouldn't be like an eighth round pick um but they'll they'll come in and they'll fill that void in the adp um and so you just end up with this weird bucket of you know it's like the island of misfit toys it's like guys that shouldn't go higher but we've we've for sure decided that the guys after them should go later and so you just end up with this weird hodgepodge of guys and i think qj is is one of those that'll probably end up in that uh the weird void after like round 13 ed on (laughs)
1: yeah
2: yeah but someone someone in the someone in the uh uh yeah, he's seen him go in the sixth and seventh in Resurrection. I mean, that, <laughs> that price, I'm just out, man. Like, like, wondering if I should try and trade away Moss, Dubs, and Pierce for Swift and Standard. Let me know. Um, That's Zach Moss, Romeo Dubs, and Damian Pierce. I, I would probably, it's, it feels, yeah, that's exactly right, Jawan. Like, that's a lot. And we don't know anything about JT. Like, I, I'm given the injuries to multiple high quality high you know well respected running backs in the in the in the nfl Brees hall no not Brees hall um jk dobbins saquon barkley Brees, uh uh, nick chubb right and not to mention the soft tissue injuries of guys like eckler and aaron jones i'm really not sure how jt just folds his hand here if anything this has made its point for him like i need to be paid or move me to a team that will pay me Right, the fact that the Colts is just refusing to move him, and the kind of outlandish trade requests they have don't square the circle. Right, if you truly believe this man is worth Waddle plus like three other first round talents, why aren't you paying him? (laughs) Right, like like this isn't this doesn't like if anything you're making the case for him. Like 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 JT is here saying I'm worth a lot. And then you're saying in trade to your trade partners, yeah, we think he's worth four of your best players. All right, so then why aren't you paying it, right? Like, like make, like make, help me make sense of this. Well, Ray, like the the good thing there for you is that you've actually got, right? So you've actually got Barkley and Monty as your starting RBs. Would love to have Swift, right? But that's the issue is that like maybe you could do Moss plus Dubs. You don't necessarily have to give everything away or Pierce plus Dobbs and hold on to Moss for now. I right? would do Pierce
3: plus Dobbs. You you wanna yeah. I previously I would have uh like if Evan Hole hadn't gotten injured, I'd be trying yeah. to offload Moss so fast just because yeah. it's a it's yeah. a mirage, he's not actually good, it's just the workload, like a better talent will come in and eat it all up, but there's there's like no one else there now. So I, I think Moss is the one you hold on to because it doesn't look like I actually, I'm not sure how I feel about Pierce because his role was not looking good, but the offense looks like it could be a lot better than we expected. So how do you, how do you guys value Pierce going forward? Is he actually, is he potentially a buy low or are they not going to be good enough to where he gets enough of the work or, or high value touches?
1: It's a good question. Um, I haven't been really on Pierce and even, you know, okay. even if I thought that the offense was going to be good, which they definitely could be, they could, that could be pretty surprising. I'd have a lot more interest in Josh Downs than in Pierce. Um, but
3: oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought we were talking Damian Pierce. Oh, not, uh, Alex, so you, you you thought I mean, you thought Alex Pierce?
2: no, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Josh Downs had been on on, on, on Blair's on Blair's mind because because uh, full transparency for both of both for both, uh, for oh, both of our FFPC nice. leagues for both of our FFPC leagues, we actually put in for Downs. And we put in like sneaky low bids. And we in one in one league, we were outbid by like $150. And then the other one we lost by 13 in the MA. But, um, kind of frustrating. But no, I think I think the thing with Damian Pierce is the offense seems good, but Pierce just seems like a guy. Yeah. Right. Like, like I'm just I'm more interested in seeing when we see more Singletary right now. Like they had they had they had Singletary in there for he threw for a touchdown. He threw game.
1: a passing touchdown.
2: Yeah, and he's also, I mean, they're still using Damian Pierce as the guy, but it, this offense isn't passable off to the to the running back. But I am curious, like I'm not expecting a full-blown 50-50 split, right? But 65-35 split, right? If you give 35 of these rushes to to Singletary, like what does that do to Pierce? And I really think that they should be considering this as an alternative because this team is pretty feisty and i don't know if pierce is just, like like pierce is very like he's like he's just i don't know if it weren't if when they play against better teams he does not look this good
1: damian P- pierce is not even a player in my in my brain as you can tell <laughs> so
3: yeah i've i've been pretty low on him i just i i had been telling anyone who asked me like oh my gosh you need to sell pierce before like Sell him while the name value still exists. You know, like before the the cat is fully out of the bag. I, I had a bunch of people asking me before the season started, like because they they had Pierce the keeper week. It's like you you need to sell him before the first game. That offensive line is going to be atrocious. He's not going to do anything. You have name value right now. Just get rid of him, and then the first week happened and it's is it unmovable. And so now I'm thinking. Well, maybe I went too far now. Now that the offense is better than I was anticipating, maybe I'm going too far, but the workload really isn't there for him. And so, yeah, I think that just because one part of the parlay that you needed to hit for Pierce to be good has is is looking like it could hit in the offense being good you're still not getting the other part where he's getting the work um, or, or that they're having a successful run game. Like just cause the offense is good. Doesn't mean they're running the ball successfully
1: either. Right. So. right. I think the interesting part of this question, you know, kind of to move off Pierce uh, is about whether you think this role that Dobbs had on Thursday is legit. Like he had 13 targets. I mean, we don't usually talk Thursday. Night games, yeah. Man. How do we feel about Dobbs going forward? Even with Watson back, he's he's looking like he might be the guy, at least in one game.
3: I uh I mean, I, I think that is gonna be let's just use the Jags offense as a comparison. It's gonna be the carousel of which mm. which of the three gets it this week. Because I think Jaden Reed is good too. Oh, yeah. Like I think he's good, good. Um, and I I never was fully convinced on Watson, but I I ate my vegetable I came in underweight but I ate my vegetables on him too um but yeah I was over Dobbs over Reed and just playing it through the cheaper options because Watson to me just always looked like a Martavis Bryant you know and so I don't want to pay fourth round price for Martavis Bryant like let me let me pay for I I know that this comparison's probably beat to death but Jaden Reed looked like you know there's there's a path to Stefan Diggs there and Romeo Dobbs wasn't super exciting, but it was like, so if this offense is productive, someone's going to get something and, and Dobbs could be someone. <laughs> so. Dobbs,
2: Dobbs is also helped by Musgrave missing the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Trisham Washington not being fully 100%. And then also Aaron Jones not being fully 100%, right? Jaden Reed's part-time role has got to expand. It just has to expand. He can't just be this like weirdo package guy that you just put in. Right, like he's he's got to be on th- there like all the time. Three like three wide receiver sets. Um, I, I I mean what, like the runner for Dobbs right now has been pretty pretty lucky, right? Like he's still a guy who I have yet to find the faith to put him into my lineups on a lot of teams just because I don't yeah. build teams that way. It's just like I, he's always is always, always like a like a white like a backup guy to me. Like he was an easy click where he was going. Watson was always a difficult click, right? Because you've got the black box of Jordan Love. Who is I mean, let's face it, jury's still out there. Like it's just I'm not I'm not willing to just admit that he's a good quarterback. He only plays well in like when teams drop like into prevent defense, right? All that <laughs> means is is good for fantasy scoring, right? They don't prevent shit. Um, but but like until you get to, you know, this extreme script, like you're not gonna get much out of guys like Dobbs and then Dobbs is also gonna get squeezed by a healthy Christian Watson, potentially a healthy Aaron Jones, and also a Reed is gonna see his roll- roller span and musgrave so yeah, I think if there's one guy who you have to get rid of now, it's probably him so I think I think that's probably the trade you want to float there, but yeah we don't we don't typically talk Thursday it's also just like a bad dream, but I will say if you guys were curious about if you guys were curious about oh my goodness um uh Zach Wilson is. This is going to sound crazy. He's throwing darts. <laughs> this really makes this bizarre world. This doesn't make any sense. Um, anyway, but, but, um, but to, to get back to it, it's just like to give you an idea of, of where it was at the start for Vegas lines. Dobbs to, to have the most receiving yards that game was 9-1, right? Like he was priced below, I think, a whole bunch of guys. And I know a friend of the show, John Lipinski, actually hit that bet on, on Thursday night. Um, but, but, uh, he's still a guy who you want to sell high on if you can.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, anyone else we wanted to talk about, um,
2: uh, all I want to say is, I mean, the only guy I want to say, or at least touch on is, um, actually I want to get your thoughts on the sacrilegious going back to, to, um, the off season, like last question, right? CMC versus Justin Jefferson for the one-on-one, who do you think it should really be?
3: Justin Jefferson. And I know, I know that CMC has put together some incredible games, but so has Justin Jefferson. Like if you look at Justin Jefferson's line, the dude is putting up like a guaranteed 150 yards every game and you got a strong chance at a touchdown. And when you consider like the volatility of wide receiver, like yes, the run out for running back. If you knew that Nick Chubb was going to get his knee just absolutely destroyed. If you knew that Dobbins was going to go down, if you knew that all these running backs we're going to just totally be dead, then yeah, the advantage that CMC gives you at the position is really strong. And you could just CMC, and then I don't draft another running back until like a, a Chan. And uh, and then I click a bunch of guys late and we'll make it work for my RB two. But I, I think without like the specific way that this season has played out with all the running back injuries, I still think that it's Justin Jefferson. I, I think that it his profile is just too elite I, I never, like, when I'd see people take Chase over Jefferson, they're like, oh, well, they're basically, they're, like, in the same tier. We're just, I never really agreed with that. Um, I, like, I never once took Chase over Jefferson. Not that that's, like, a hot take. I feel like it's kind of wild for people taking Chase over Jefferson. Um, but for me, it's it's Jefferson over CMC. And then CMC at two and Tyreek at three. And then it's, and that's the tier. And then it's it's everyone else. Yeah, you know I
2: mean... I mean, I just want all I want to say is CMC absolutely dumpstered me in a league where I have a forty-five forty-five point lead. So, like, so like, uh, you know, great job, great job. Um, but yeah, but there.
1: Yeah, you know, CMC is going to have these games, rank right, <laughs> kind of, kind of often. What can you do? BFF. Uh, ESPN
2: graded that trade a C minus, and PFF said CMC is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: oh man! Oh, All right, perfect God. note to end on uh, on that one. Um, Sacrilegious, what you got going on this season? We've already talked a little about stat oh, chasing, and, but yeah, I'm on stat
3: chasing. Uh, you can catch us there uh, every week on Tuesdays. Gonna gonna break down some PFF stats that I build into charts with my co-host Dricko writing articles over at spike week uh, really focusing on best ball strategy and game theory my most recent pieces I put out were just a portfolio postmortem so you can kind of get inside my brain see how I drafted I do talk about a little bit of game theory in there as well and and how I think you should be playing these best ball tournaments and then my my big stuff I'm working on now is uh, I'm building some tools for playoff baseball and really uh, I know it sounds early to be doing that but I really want to make sure I've got all my my ducks in a row when those tournaments launch and I, I do think those are some of the most exploitable contest formats and like if you're if you're playing baseball seriously and trying to do it as a profitable hobby um, I think that you should be maxing uh, if within your bankroll you should be maxing out playoff ball or getting down as much as you can comfortably. Cause it's, it's a lot easier um, just from like what the field does relative to, uh, to normal traditional baseball tournaments. But anyway, yeah, come, uh, come find me on spike week, watch me on stat chasing. And uh, thanks for having me on guys. It was fun.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Definitely check out his work. And um, if you're not already subscribed to our channel, then uh, make sure to subscribe and do all the YouTube things that I can't remember. And uh We'll talk to you next time.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.